Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice and very G'd up for our first World Tour race recap of the season, the UAE Tour Stage 1. And it was on paper going to be a bunch sprint. We'll get into what happened and why that did not eventuate in a second. But this podcast is brought to you by our show partner, Lacole. They produce performance cycling apparel. They're back with us for the entirety of the 2021 year for all the Grand Tours, all the World Tour and Women's World Tour races. They got some big announcements coming out and maybe, well not maybe, there will be some big names coming on as guests for the uh, podcast in the classics and races coming up. But we'll announce that in due course. If you want to check them out now, you can see them at www.lacole.cc. Also, another note of housekeeping, because the UAE Tour is actually on at a humane time for me, uh, I'll put in a reasonable amount of efforts for the YouTube video for this podcast. So this is a podcast that is the, first and foremost. The YouTube is secondary for people who like to watch there. But that being said, on the YouTube video we put up when we're talking about it, the profile of the stage. I also, well not I also, we also have a, a license agreement now with Corvos, the uh, photography agency. So there'll be photos licensed that we will show uh, of the of the stage and the amount we show will vary depending on the stage. But just to let you know that in case it's not a it's not a blank a blank screen anymore. It's a bit it's actually catered for YouTube. It also has our heads. But now onto the stage, Benji. What would the profile look like and uh <laughs> there weren't many hills in it yeah to be honest it's it's a very very flat terrain it started a bit above sea level but it went down and down and eventually just the last last hundred kilometers are like proper flat but honestly like the part before that is basically flat as well so 176 <laughs> kilometers between aldafra castle and almirfa this is one of those flat stages we said that would most likely end up in a mass sprint we also mentioned in the preview that Sometimes wind happens on these kind of stages, and well, oh boy, today that was definitely on the menu because, yeah, quite simply we started off and I was I was laying in bed. It was morning. I was like, oh, you yeah. up today. You're all asleep in Europe, so people will need us to tell them what <laughs> happened. So this was I, I I thought I was watching on GCN Race Pass, but the coverage started at eight forty five p.m. Brisbane time. I didn't realize that there was actual coverage before that feed started. And in UAE Tour, what seems to happen is they can't sell or don't sell the first two hours of each stage. And I get that. Broadcasters, if they're buying it on a per-hour basis, it's not economical to buy uh, two hours of pancake flat race live footage at 6 (laughs) a.m. European time or whatever time it was in Benji land. So it was only... But it is visible if you go onto the Dubai Sports Authority webpage legally um you can no vpn required i, I watched the uh because i saw on the flam rouge twitter i was just having a nice uh meal drinking some water and i saw that 200 meters into the race there was crosswind chaos and massive echelons everywhere and he posted a photo that um 
all got me very, very excited. So I jumped on, and yeah, 176k stage, 1k in echelons. I think Pagacha was, he was in the initial, in group one, I think. Yates was, Yates is really good in crosswinds, uh, but Kus and Higita were the big ones, Benji. They struggled in the crosswinds. Ineos were the architects of it. Ghana, I think some statistics showed he did like 60Ks an hour for yeah. 15 minutes. <laughs> but Crazy. Did, am I wrong in thinking Igita was okay in crosswinds? Why did I have that impression in my mind? Has he done okay at Paranese or something? Yes, Paranese last year was the race that we had those echelons where Bernal also played a role in to in the first or second yeah. stage, the one Garcia Cortina won. And eventually, like, Higita was in that group and actually survived Eric Crosswinds pretty nicely. So he obviously doesn't have the body type for it. The man's 57 kilos and with a bit of windy flies of the bike. But last year was good at it. And this year, oof, it started off and he just he just dropped from group to group every single time. And at the start, it looked like he was able to hang on with the first two groups, but he just kept falling through. And this is the kind of stage where when an echelon happens early on in the stage, you're like, well, it's all going to come together. But the problem is, basically everything is sand and open terrain in the UAE <laughs> Tour. So the yeah. only moments that it can come together is if they pause a small town or a small city. But after that, it's again desert. So it's very difficult for those groups to come back and to sustain together because every single time you would go to a village, you would see the groups come together a bit. And then once it's through that village, it opens up again. And it's really cool to see a stage like that because quite simply, I had a discussion last night with somebody that said, oh, these stages are boring. The first 98% is flat. Honestly, like I love these kind of stages because it's either echelons or it's a mass sprint with the best sprinters against each other. We mentioned it on the preview. So yeah. Anyway, continue onwards. Echelons. Well, yeah, today, today was a banger. So it's easy to describe who was not in the first group. There was a group of like 60 in the front group eventually after the initial chaos. But yeah, it was Kus and Igita that were main riders missing. I'm not sure where Buchmann was, but um, yeah, Kus was struggling as well in the crosswinds. I remember if you go back and look at stage seven in the tour last year, um, he I've never seen his face in more pain. His face has never looked like that in a mountain before on that crosswind stage last year in the tour, he was struggling too. So maybe that is, well, I think that is a weakness for him as well. Then, it, But it did all come back together. Long stage, eventually everyone sort of chilled out. And then they were coming in to, well, they took a feed, every, all chill. And this is what happens at echelon stages. They, then there was an intermediate sprint, about 112, 115 k's left in the stage at Habzan Camp. Don't know where that is. Middle of the desert somewhere, that's where it looked like. Um, but 4Ks into that sprint, not, nothing really happening. Everyone's chilling. And then all of a sudden, quick step appear. And I would just like to uh, play a little excerpt from the preview we put up a couple of days ago about what I thought quick step would do for Yoa Almeida, just to pat myself on the back. Yeah, I think Almeida, it suits him really well. And you know, you know what, Benji? You know why I think it suits him? It's because of all the intermediate sprints. He's got a strong flat sprint train like Kaiser, Cadeno, Murku, Archbold to uh, go after those extra seconds if he needs to. As I have editorial control of this podcast, I'm allowed to be a little self-congratulatory. But the point was, <laughs> quick step, we're using the intermediate sprints correctly as a means to get Almeida some seconds in case he loses them on the climbs coming up on stages three and five. And they hit it really hard. 
everyone was caught napping pretty much. Um, they even had the only rider there, Benji, was Omer Goldstein, right, from uh, <laughs> ISU, the, the national champion for Israel, found himself in the middle of a quick-step train of maybe five riders, Archbold, Cataneo, uh, Maznada, and Almeida, Murku. And Almeida got the uh, three seconds at the intermediate sprint, but then quick-step just kept rolling it. Everyone started panicking. Yates got across, the only Ineos rider to get across. Uh, Pagacha, I think Bjerg bridged him across Benji with Gavidia. Who else? Who were the other big names that made that made this split? I think the main focus for today itself, and not the GC, would be that there are sprinters up there. And Gavidia was up there also with the likes of Bjerg and also Richese. Obviously, Pogaccio is not going to ride for, for Gavidia today. That's obvious. And then Viviani was there with one teammate. We had David Decker with the likes of... Uh, Chris Harper, yes, Kenneth Von Bilsen was the other Cofidis rider. Um, I think those are the main sprinters that were there. Obviously, you were you would think MVP. that... Oh, yeah. Wow. Forgot about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vanderpool was there as well. This is be- the unconscious <laughs> Belgian bias against Dutch riders. <laughs> Not even mentioning Vanderpool. <laughs> I actually like Vanderpool more than Van Arden. That's probably a crime to say it out of here live. But <laughs> okay. I think... Um, I think he was there as well with a teammate, Johnny Van Meers, also a good Belgian rider. Um, yeah. Jans Mike. Roy, Roy Jans. There are a couple of Alperson guys there. They were well represented. So, you know, classic crosswinds, doesn't matter if it's in, uh, where are you, Benji? Um, like in Flanders on the coast. Bru- uh, Pana, doesn't matter if it's in Pana or in the <laughs> middle of the UAE. Um, crosswinds, Alperson and De Koenig are good. So th- it was the same sort of riders you'd expect there and pretty large group and it was interesting because you had the gc guys well it's interesting in that you had quick step benji dropping bennett their sprinter on a quote-unquote sprint stage they were so committed to running for almeida on gc i think the correct decision by the way that they yeah they didn't bennett was gone ewan was gone he was on the wrong side of the split ackerman was gone they were it's interesting to me, Benji, that they didn't contest the intermediate sprint because they were all at the back. Were you watching? I saw Ewan was chatting at the back of the peloton. They didn't even make an effort to move up to the front of the peloton before the intermediate sprint. Bulkman missed it. Froome missed it. Who were the other GC losers on the day? Lushenko missed it as well. But again, the three GC favourites did make it. Almeida, Yates and... Uh, Pagacha. Do you think Yates making it is a coincidence, or do you think he is legit good in crosswinds? I think he noted he's good at the inside of it. He's good at noticing when a gap could form and try to save that just in time. Yeah. And he it might have been on the brink today because if he waited a little longer, then it would it would have been gone. Yeah. And the same with Pogacha and Bjerg. So very good move, very decisive move. The moment that nobody really expects it, just after the intermediate sprint, that people are like, oh, they're just gonna fall back to the group. No, it doesn't surprise me that Ewan is not contesting these intermediate sprints. Like, if you're Ewan, you're going for stage wins, not for the points classification in the OE Tour, to be honest. Uh, that's, that's just my yeah. opinion about it. Um, I think that I do kind of am surprised that so many people keep getting surprised by the Koenig pulling something like these off. But on the other I end, know. you've got an entire stage where it can happen. And that's probably the issue because you need to be aware every single second in this UAE Tour because it can happen everywhere. Well, that's the thing. The Koenig smartly are like, well, we've already made this massive 1,500-meter effort. 
to put everyone in the gutter to get Almeida these intermediate sprint points. Now we just have to keep riding. Then other strong riders got across. Gavidia, um, well, who else was there? Yeah, NVDP and Alperson. So now you've got Alperson and De Koenig with their leaders. That's going to be very hard to bring back. So even though the group really... Oh, and David Decker with maybe that group. Um, we were hyping him up a lot, I think, on the preview podcast. Uh, the Jumbo Visma rider, his first World Tour race there with Chris Harper, who did well at the Australian National Champs. Um, but yeah, once they got into that group, 90 seconds. It went to 90 seconds, the gap. And it hung there for ages and ages. Um, the group behind was working like consistently, but not ferociously. And the big issue was Ineos did not help because Yates was there. And they got Ghana, um, who could have probably put 40 seconds into that on his own in 10 minutes if he really cared to. But Ineos didn't help. And eventually... The peloton just gave up. It, they, I think they, if you look at the uh, map overhead, they sort of went in a clockwise fashion towards the finish so that they did change direction and they did a right hand turn, I think, oh, I don't know, maybe with 70 k's to go, 60 k's to go. I thought maybe, okay, well, if the wind changes here, they work, they'll bring the gap. They brought 10 seconds into it and then nothing happened. And with, with crosswind stages, if the gap keeps hovering at the same time, eventually the chase group will get tired and give up, and then that happened, and it blew out to like three, four minutes. Um, what about Froome, Benji? He obviously missed the first split, but then he was slipping back groups. Did that concern you, or do you think if you're him, what does it matter if you finish in group two or group four? I wouldn't really be concerned regarding Froome, because, well, dropping from group to group is not really an amazing thing to see. But on the other hand, I... I don't really think it's going to influence like my feelings surrounding him. He said a few days ago, two days ago, just after our preview podcast, that he's riding for Hedmonds here in the UAE Tour on the mountain stages. So I don't really care what he's doing on a flat stage per se, as long as he's not like alone off the back like Aru did in the Tour de France, because that would be the most worrying thing. Dropping from group to group is perhaps just saving energy. So... You, you can't yeah. know it. It's it's un, un, impossible to guess whether it's a, a signal of having a bad form or anything or if it's just him not caring enough because it looked like he was laughing throughout the stage with some Ineos people. So, yeah. True, true. Should be fine, I think. So they did one lap of the finish line for the second intermediate sprint. Their quick step went for Almeida again in this reduced group. Pagacha contested that sprint and I think... Got second, Murku tried to take second, to take seconds away. So Almeida gained another second on Pagacha, taking his lead to four seconds there by the second intermediate sprint. As I said, this group was gone, and now we turned our attention attentions rather to who was going to win the stage. A Quickstep going to focus on getting Almeida in another split? I thought Quickstep might try and split it again, but I think they were quite tired at that point. Remember, they have Archibald, Cataneo, I think Masnada, Almeida, and Merku, so very strong group. Alperson have multiple riders, as well as MVDP, not a bad rider. Decker, so then the sprinters, if it comes down to a sprint, Gavidia, Decker, Viviani, who Benji actually did say to his credit, maybe offline, he said it stronger to me before we recorded the preview that he thought Viviani would actually do better at UAE. Viviani and MVDP. So 
that was going to be, and it wasn't the quick step guys we normally see rolling attacks like Askren, Lampard, Seneschal. It was kind of the B team, but they're still so good, so professional. Um, but yeah, last 10Ks, Benji, did you think it was coming down to a bunch sprint? Were you surprised that quick step started rolling attacks that early? Um, and yeah, how did you think it would play out? Well, we have a few sprinters out there. You mentioned it. And obviously, the, the Koenig had the number amount. They had the advantage of having a lot of riders. But I also thought, well, they've got the team to attack here. So I kind of was expecting some kind of attacks. Because we know that if there's a group of like 20 people left with one domestique here, one domestique there, for example, Pierre got UAE. For example, Von Bilsen at Viviani's team. That's Kofidis. And Chris Harper for David Decker, for example. Johnny Vermeers for Van der Poel. Those are all one rider for someone. But Shane ain't going to pedal at the front of the peloton because he's the lead out for Gaviria. And also the, the Koenig squad obviously won't do anything if they attack. So at a certain point, they were all sitting in like second, third and fourth position, the Koenig. And there was an attack just on a position that I perhaps did not anticipate it yet, with eight kilometers to go. I thought he would attack a bit later, and that was mm. a pretty obvious attack. Joao Almeida. And I found that a very, very good attack, but the problem is it was a tiny bit too early, I think. And yeah, we saw a direct response from Nelson Paulus, I think. We also had Johnny yeah, Mayer trying to close it down. <laughs> and the thing is, like, you're laughing, and I, I totally get it, because Nelson Paulus is out there alone. He has no teammate there, so he's basically YOLOing every attack, because why the hell not? And he just closed that gap down to get it with Johnny Vermeers and Almeida. There was one more rider in the wheel there. I don't really know who it was, to be honest. I um, I seem to remember that at certain so point funny. Gaviria moved up and actually moved into an attack yeah. in a four-man group. And I noticed that in that group that obviously... Once they notice the Gaviria is at the back, they're not going to pace. But also, Johnny Vermeer was not pacing much because Van der Poel was in the group behind. So there was only like Nelson Paulus who had no had no real thing to lose on that stage, and Almeida who wanted to get seconds for DC. They were pacing up there, and they didn't really bother about the stage win because Pogacar was behind for Almeida, so he was he was down to keep on pacing. But behind, we saw one rider for young from UAE move to the front and just smash it at the front, right? Yeah, it was Bjerg, I think, but that kind of cooked him a little bit. I mean, Nielsen Powers made it his lifelong goal today to make sure that that first attack from uh, Quickstep did not work. And then he flicked, I think, he flicked Vermeersch through and then was really confused why Gianni Vermeersch wouldn't pace despite having Van der Poel behind, which was very amusing. If you grinded our Tour de France pods last year, remember we were maybe a little... No, correctly critical of Nielsen Powers' tactics in breakaways when he, he's got very, very strong legs, but um, sometimes wastes those legs a bit marks or there like. So then there was a second attack from Quickstep. I can't remember if it was Masnada or who it was. I think it was um, Archibald. That Archibald maybe got brought back pretty quickly, but you could see it like took a little bit longer. It wasn't like an immediate snap. Bjerg was getting tired. He'd been doing a lot of work all day. Then the next attack was the decisive one. Cataneo, he attacked in the in the Giro, right, Benji? And he got a really big gap late stage in the Giro, I think, last year. Cataneo, he was at Androni for a long time, moved to Quickstep quite late, at like 27, 28 years old, I think. More of a break guy in the mold of Lampart. Not as good, obviously. Uh, 
compared to the sprinty guys like Archbold, Murku, and he got a, this was a proper gap now. And you could see whoever was the UAE rider on the front wall, they flicked through and they flicked through to a wall of three blue riders, <laughs> quick step blocking. <laughs> and at that point, you're like, well, this three second gap is going to become 13 seconds very quickly. And I think it was Pagacha tried to bridge at one point, Benji. Um, he got a little way in. I thought Catanea was gone for a second there. 2.7 Ks, 13 second gap, UAE tied. Hoffert is not helping. Harper not helping for TGV, TJV to bring back Catanea. But I think it was Alpes and Phoenix in conjunction with UAE. Eight into it. It got to about six seconds. And then of all people, I think, oh, what Benji, 2Ks, 1,800 to go. Fernando Gavidia takes a flyer. And he attacks out of the group, yeah. like gets a proper gap. And I think, I think his mistake, Benji, he bridged to Cataneo, but he didn't snap off him really easily. So then Cataneo was still strong enough to sit on Gavidia, and it kind of messed up Gavidia's rhythm, who was looking really, really strong. And then, um, but I, I thought Gavidia was going to go right past him. Uh, but this was looking really, really good for Alpes and Phoenix. They've had Quickstep roll a lot of their punches, ruin their lead out for Merku. They've had. Gaviria, probably the quickest man in the group, now burn himself. So they just got to worry about Viviani, who's at the back of the group, and Decker. And I mean, the final sprint was it was a little bit messy, thanks to Quickstep. Quickstep then put, I think, second last man at the front. They then tried to attack with Archbold. Um, uh, this is now in the last 600 meters. Merku then tried to block really viciously anyone trying to follow Archbold's wheel. MVDP had to veer out wildly to the left. Pretty standard quick step tactic. They like to do that in the last 600 with that lead out man and then block anyone. MVDP nearly crashed. Um, he gets onto Archbold's wheel. Merku is then fighting for MVDP's wheel with David Decker, who's followed MVDP to the left hand side. 400 or 350 meters to go. Um, and Decker's, they're going around right-hand bend. Decker fights off Merku, Viviani's to the right-hand side, and then I think MVDP opened up at like 175, 200, and uh, it was all over. No one really looked like they were able to come around him. Decker was right in his wheel. Uh, Merku had to go to the right-hand side the long way around. Viviani tried to get Decker off MVDP's wheel, but he wasn't going quick enough. Um, and, yeah, Van der Poel won by a bike length. Pretty convincing win from him straight out of the CX season. But his sprint, Benji, I mean, impressive as it was, you wanted to talk about, he, he went from the centre of the road to the right-hand side. Like, he clearly deviated. Uh, and people have been asking you directly on Twitter why he, should he not be de disqualified. So maybe you want to clear that up, as well as giving your thoughts on the finale in due course. Yeah, so basically the um, the thing about this final is that, like you mentioned, there's this right-hand corner with about 90, well, like, I think like 200 to 300 meters to go, there's this right-hand corner, yeah, 90 degrees corner. And um, Archibald took that widely before going into it. Viviani was on the wheel of Archibald, if I recall correctly, and then Vanderpool was behind, um, was behind Viviani there as well, with Decker in the wheel of Vanderpool. So that's how they went into the corner first. Now, Vanderpool is in third position there. He obviously needs to get past people to do something there. And Archbold is not the sprinter. Merck was a sprinter who is, I think, fifth position at that point, just behind yeah. Decker. Yeah. And yes. 
The moment the sprint in. starts, we see that Archbolt goes a bit to the right and allows Vanderpool to sprint straight at the start. Viviani has to go around Archbolt on the right to try and take the right-hand barrier as his line, as his lane, line. Yeah, the rule's pretty, <laughs> pretty important on that part. But um, yeah, Viviani was sprinting on the right, Vanderpool was sprinting in the middle, and Vanderpool had Decker in the wheel, who was obviously just benefiting from the, from the draft of Vanderpool in that sprint. Vanderpool knows that and is like, what if I just swing in front of Viviani, then the people in my wheel are having to ride without a draft, which obviously is less beneficial. And he does that, but he does that in a pretty good way in the sense that he does that the moment that he cannot endanger Viviani. And that is where the rule is specific. The rule is specific that you can deviate as long as you don't endanger anybody. As the rule says, in doing so, endangering someone. And that is why in this situation, Vanderpool cannot deserve a penalty because, well, quite simply, he didn't endanger anyone doing so. Obviously, dangerous subjective. That's why we always talk about this rule because, well, it's a... Uh, it's a fine line. Yeah, if he, if he makes his line. calculation wrong, he could chop Viviani. Uh, but he was past Viviani. I'd argue Viviani's move was more dangerous, Benji. He sees MVDP... MVDP's wheel coming, he moves off the right-hand barrier and he swings into Decker trying to take him off MVDP's wheel. Um, and I think he was fortunate that Decker was coming out of MVDP's slipstream to try and open up his sprint. Um, so fortunate in that sense for Decker, but yeah, it's Benji's right. He didn't really endanger anyone. That's why it's not a problem. Here's the stage, full stage results though. Matthew Vanderpool first, David Decker second, fantastic result for Decker, Dutch won two, I mean, second, oh, first world tour race, coming second in a hard stage like that in echelons all day, really impressive for Decker. Merku third, Leipinge fourth, the Latvian for Trek Segafredo, nice result for him. Viviani fifth, Pagacha sixth, same time as all the other sprinters. Rue seventh, Harper eighth, Almeida ninth, Masnada tenth. Now, I saw in some provisional results that Pagacha had been credited with some seconds or had been given a three-second advantage on Almeida um, in yes. the finale. So that actually takes affects the GC a little bit. So Van der Poel's leading GC four seconds ahead of Decker, six seconds ahead of Mertku, seven seconds ahead of Almeida. Almeida, who did have four bonus seconds before the finale on Pagacha, took had lost three, so he's only one second ahead of Pagacha, who's fifth. Yates, I think, is oh, three or four seconds behind Almeida. I think maybe even more because of bonus seconds. Might be five or six seconds behind Almeida. So, professional good work from Quickstep today. I think they would have liked a little bit more, at least in the, to be in the first or second places um, in the stage. And also, I think they would have liked more than a second on Pagacha. I think they did a lot of work to only have one second on him. Um, but I think Pagach is the big winner of the day, Benji. He's yep. lost one second. He's made GC group. He's not had to work as hard as Almeida, I don't think, uh, who had to attack as well. I think, yeah, it was really good for Pagacha today. But what, what were your standout or highlights from today? I think both the fact that, well, um, the three riders we named as our, as our top three are in the first echelon, so that's still good for GC. <laughs> We're so but uh, I was very much um, anticipating a sprint for Decker, and this, this situation was ideal. 
David Decker is not the best sprinter when it comes to speed, but he is the classic type of rider. So in echelon type business, he can actually stay up there in an echelon. And we saw that today. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that Chris Harper was also able to do that, but props on that from that man. I think that when it comes to his sprint by David Decker, there's two things we can notice. I think uh, in one of your videos about him a year and a half ago, you mentioned that um, you mentioned that his sprint is good, but he cannot stay out of the saddle for like X amount of seconds. And that's a bit of a weakness for him in the sprint, right? Is that the yeah. logic you had there? So, so when you look at Van der Poel, Ackerman, you and Bennett, when they're on form winning sprints, they are able to knock out 15 seconds out of the saddle full, fully sprinting uh, when, they, when they need to. And I, I think he struggled, he's struggling to do that. You could see he was struggling to get out of the saddle when he was trying to. He couldn't stand up uh, when he's trying to get out of the wheel of Vanderpool. And, yeah, it's just something he's going to have to uh, it's work yeah. on. I think his, his seated power is excellent. And I think that's great for closing a gap in an ech when echelons are, are, uh, are happening. Being able to just stay in the saddle and just mash for 20 seconds is something he is already really good at. But yeah, that final sprint, um, I think it's something he's going to be working on. But still, we're nitpicking. Second yeah, I to think that, um, I think that one thing I did notice when it comes to Decker is that his initial positioning in the sprint definitely decided some part of that because with about 500, 600 meters to go, he was not in the first like eight, nine of that of that group. And he had to move up one rider by rider to move up. And at a certain impressive. point, he had a... He had a first sprint already with like 400 meters to go to get past a few people to get into a position in the wheel of Vanderpool. So I think that perhaps we're looking too much at the final sprint here. And I think that perhaps yeah. Decker could have done more if he didn't have to ride an extra sprint before that to get into the position. But we can say all we want about that sprint. But the entire day at this tempo, everybody's got to have suffered at least yeah. at one point. So impressive stage. Top start and to he the also... season. He also told Merku to get the fuck off Matthew van der Poel's wheel. He gave him a big don't argue with 2.50 to go. Merku was trying to slip onto van der Poel's wheel. Decker, big guy, by the way. He's young, but he's big. He gave him a big hip and said, nah, this is my wheel. And Merku couldn't do anything. He had to change course, go right, and cost him positioning in the sprint. I'll, I'll love to see it. Uh, not getting bullied early on, and I don't think he will be. Not the type of guy he is. So I think him, Decker and van der Poel are friends as well. I'm not sure. I got... Sources telling me, telling me that, even though it's probably public information. But let's look at stage tomorrow, Benji. Stage two, uh, it's the ITT from Al Hudayriat Island. Thirteen k's, very twisty, uh, lots of turns. But um, a hot take for you, Benji. I think Filippo Ganna's uh, the favourite and probably going to win. Um, that's why everyone, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why everyone tunes into the podcast, listen to listen to great analysis like that. But Seriously, the, the GC actually hasn't changed too much. Oh, I should, we should mention Caruso mm. top 10 hype. Caruso made the front group but, and he crashed, but he got, I think, given the same time. But the three favourites, Benji, Yates, Almeida, Pagacha, they were our three favourites. I think they were the favourites, yep. the, the top three in the betting market. So it really hasn't changed too much. Um, but, yeah, do you, judging on their form today, I guess, does that change your your view on how they might go in the TT tomorrow? It does. I didn't really see anything to change my view. It confirms, I think. It confirms that all three are in good form at the start here, and I True. think that Almeida's leader after tomorrow's stage. Leader of the race? Yep. Nah, Vanderpool. Nah, I don't think so. 
okay, I think Vanderpool is going to do yeah, pretty well tomorrow. Uh, like, I get your and point, though, he's... because, like, Vanderpool's <laughs> Big Bang ITT was good, and that 13-kilometer ITT should technically really fit him. So it's going to be close. I think is he going to try? Nice he has to try. Here. He has to try. Come on. Because yeah, before, no, before the race, he said he was not going to try, I don't think. Um, he's going to try. He has to try. He's leader's jersey now. Yeah, he has to try to defend yeah. it. Um, I think, oh, that's it. I don't know. I actually don't even, I just want to disagree <laughs> with you. So I'm well. I think, okay, Matthew Mungapol <laughs> to beat Almeida and keep the jersey tomorrow. Benji's going against me. Um, yes. But anything else, Benji? I'm going to go watch the uh, last stage of Old Var. Should be a pretty good one. They're going up the Madone in a second. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter or wherever, really, in the comments of the YouTube video. <laughs> letting us know what you thought of this stage. I thought it was an, a, a banger, a, a fan, yeah. an actual stage for the ages. Like, I'll remember this stage for a long time because of how hard it was and the crosswinds and um, how many quality riders missed that first group. But I'm stoked to be doing these recaps already. I missed them last year, and I'm great, happy to be doing them at a good time. But, yeah, anything else to watch out for in the uh, ITT tomorrow, Benji? A sneaky top five. Uh, out of, who's not a GC guy and not named Philippe Organa. A sneaky top five. Um, I'm going to go for a very, very sneaky top top <laughs> top, uh, top eight. My, this is not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I had like Brandon Smith Rivera, but no, 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 no. <laughs> that was not going to happen. <laughs> um, I think that we can expect a decent time trial by... You said Bissiger, right? Yeah, Bissiger. I believe in that. But he must get top three. It's really hard to like guess who can get a top five. Someone like Brentler or Dowsett require a longer prologue to really do it. Tanfield, Hansen, those kind of riders can perform. Chris Harper. Chris Harper came fourth in Australian Champs. He's in good form. He went well at the road race. Maybe top ten, probably not. Nikias on. Um, Sneaky top five. Yeah. Okay. I'm, the thing I'm really going to be focused on is Sepp Kuss. This is the first okay. TT that Sepp Kuss is doing fully for himself as GC well, as GC leader. I don't know what well is he going to have the stages now, Benji. It's kind of thrown that out the window. Um, is he just going to go for stages, given he's lost four minutes, three and a half minutes on, on Pagacha? Yeah, kind why of a not? Shame, like, but feet? He should still do the TT full so they have a baseline, I think. Yep. So I'll be watching that closely. Thanks to LaCole for supporting the podcast. Check them out at www.lacole.cc and we'll see you tomorrow with our Stage 2 ITT recap. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 